I'm Ryan Novak with Ryan Novak Farms in Pleasanton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. During this time between seasons, one of the biggest topics of conversation is where are things headed for cotton in the Texas Panhandle? I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll check in with Plains Cotton Growers. A new formulation of an herbicide for rice production in 2024. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and on today's report, what Texas rice producers can look forward to in the new year. That's ahead on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Another Texas-based cattle scheme has come unraveled. The Securities and Exchange Commission obtained a temporary restraining order, asset freeze, and other emergency relief to halt an ongoing $191 million cattle Ponzi scheme orchestrated by a Fort Worth company called Agridime. The SEC alleges that the defendants diverted millions of dollars of investor funds to make Ponzi payments and to pay undisclosed sales commissions to themselves and others. Eric Werner, director of the SEC's Fort Worth Regional Office, says the defendants enticed investors with promises of lucrative returns in a statement claiming they could make money raising cattle without having to do all the work. The company promised annual returns between 15 and 32 percent. However, the SEC complaint says the defendants failed to fulfill those promises by not purchasing a sufficient number of cattle or generating enough revenue. A new and improved test for brucellosis could be developed right here in Texas. Dr. Angela Arenas, an associate professor at the Texas A&M University School of Veterinary Medicine, has received one of 18 fellowships, along with a $50,000 award, to develop new and improved diagnostic tests for the bacterial disease brucellosis. Brucellosis can affect humans, pets, and livestock. It affects millions of people and animals globally. According to the USDA, brucellosis can cause livestock to lose their pregnancies or may cause the birth of weak offspring, decreased milk production, and infertility. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Governor Greg Abbott has appointed two new members to the Texas Animal Health Commission, Anthony T.J. Klein and Johnny E. Trotter. Klein is from College Station and is director of Texas operations for MPS Egg Farms. He's the first vice president of the Texas Poultry Federation and former president of the Texas Egg Council. Johnny E. Trotter of Hereford is president of Livestock Investors LTD and owner of Bar G Feed Yard. He's a past president of the American Quarter Horse Association, former member of the Texas Cattle Feeders Board of Directors, and a member of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association, Texas Wheat Growers, and the Texas Farm Bureau. Abbott also reappointed two members to the board, Joseph Osterkamp of Farwell and Wendy Payne of Floydata. The future of cotton in the Texas panhandle is a big topic of conversation right now. James Hunt tells us there are a lot of questions about how much cotton will be planted there. With cotton coming off a couple of pretty tough years in the Texas High Plains, there's been a lot of speculation going on about where we might be headed with possible acreage shifts when next season rolls around. The general consensus is, in the South Plains, cotton will remain the dominant summer crop just as it has been for a very long time. But as for the northern part of our region, the Texas Panhandle, what's going to happen with cotton next season is a big topic of conversation. Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Growers says there's some uncertainty right now. I think that that continues to be the question that producers are struggling with right now, and I really think that it's just a little bit too early before we can make that determination. We're going to have to continue to watch these markets. We'll need to look at the ratio of the corn to cotton prices, and then also we'll need to look and see what type of needs there are out there for silage. I also am hearing rumors of some producers that planted soybeans up in the Panhandle, up through that Kansas area, that were pleased with their soybean production this year, especially as compared to the price and to the input costs. And so I think that in some areas of the Panhandle, producers may be looking at that as an option. Once again, that was Mark Brown with Plains Cotton Growers. There is, of course, a lot of time remaining between now and planting time for farmers to make their decisions on just how they will be divvying up their acres come the spring. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas rice farmers will have a new formulation of a rice herbicide available next year. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Will Griffin. He is market segment manager for row crops with Valent USA. And Will, uh, you folks are looking towards the rice fields for 2024 and helping out those rice farmers in Texas and elsewhere. Uh, what uh, is on the horizon and uh, what is new and improved? Today we're here to talk about Regiment EZ. Uh, most rice producers across the Mid-South have used Regiment in the, for, in the past for post-emerge grass control 
whether it's pre-flood or post-flood. But as we get into growing season 24, we're looking at launching Regiment EZ, which is a new formulation. So we went from a dry formulation to a liquid formulation for ease of use, ease of application, easier to mix. So we're really excited about that, just bringing new ideas, new solutions to producers. And so this will certainly help rice production in Texas. And uh, what else are you folks doing to help those producers with yield and better quality? Obviously, the, the better weed control you have, the better yield you have, the better quality you have, the less competition you have for the fertilizer that we put out there. So most crops seed and then the fertilizer are typically the, the two highest inputs. So making sure that we have our foundational products that we sell in the market space and then followed up by regiment and other products to make sure we're catching those escapes from a grass perspective. Because obviously, as most folks know, grass in a rice field is the hardest thing to control given the spectrum that, that's out there and the, the broad array of products um, that are on the market. And we feel like our reputation in the rice market from an older formulation of regiment helps lay the foundation for really good growth with Regiment EZ as we enter the market space in 2024. That is Will Griffin with Valent USA. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We now head out to the South Plains of Texas to check in with Lubbock area farmer Eddie Griffiths. And Eddie, how are things winding down the year there in your area? Well, at this time, cotton harvest is wrapping up and producers are finally getting the harvesters out of the field and just waiting on the gins to finish ginning this year's crop. Probably just in the nick of time with some colder wetter weather coming in we've had to open a few weeks to get across these acres and try to get this crop in but for the most part producers are starting to cut stalks and get a little bit of field work done where they finished up with their harvest for but for the most part i think it's just a matter of trying to market what crop they have get it sold and, and try to get ready for another year well i'm sure that crop wasn't what most farmers were hoping for this year no, you're exactly right. It was a little bit short, but I guess something's better than nothing. We always look forward to next year. So, Eddie, how's the moisture situation in your area? Moisture is always needed here in West Texas. We've had some days of fog and drizzle, but it hasn't been anything measurable. What we need to uh, try to build up some of the profile. And for some of this wheat crop that was planted early back in August or early September, it looks good. But at this point, especially if it's dry land or even irrigated acres and being grazed, moisture will definitely help it to extend its its life cycle and hopefully get some some more grazing out of it for some of the some of the livestock out there thanks eddie that's lubbock area farmer eddie griffiths on the texas southern plains texas deer breeders are using science to help limit the spread of chronic wasting disease i'm jessica domel and i'll have more coming up on texas ag today and winter cow syndrome is something we see each winter here in texas Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. 
Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Winter cow syndrome is something we see each winter here in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd explains exactly what it is. Winter cow syndrome is a term used to describe individual cows or even groups of cows that experience a significant decline in body weight and condition over the winter. These cows can become very thin and some will not survive the winter. Any cows over 10 years of age are at a higher risk of winter cow syndrome because older cows have poor teeth for chewing hay. They may maintain their body weight on good pasture in the spring and summer, but usually lose weight on a hay-only diet. Also, heifers that are still growing and need more energy than hay can provide may also develop winter cow syndrome. And certainly any animal with infection or parasites will be susceptible. Many of these cows are fed poor quality hay that is poorly digestible. As many of these hays have a high lignin content, low energy, and low protein. And these types of forages transit the gastrointestinal tract very slowly. Because of this, the cows cannot eat enough of the poor quality forage to get all the nutrients needed and they lose weight. Mature forages are also deficient in phosphorus, calcium, and vitamin A. As calcium and phosphorus levels decrease in the hay during the winter and vitamin A levels are very low in poor quality hay. Cows do well in the winter as long as they have a dry hair coat and adequate body fat as cows in good condition will require 1% more energy for each degree of environmental temperature below a wind chill of 32 degrees Fahrenheit. The greatest weather distress is when cows become wet or muddy, and be sure and join me next time on Texas Vet News as I will be talking more about wet and cold weather and how to prevent winter cow syndrome. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas deer breeders are using science to help limit the spread of chronic wasting disease. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas deer breeding industry is using science to hopefully breed around chronic wasting disease. Dr. Chris Seabury, a professor of genomics at Texas A&M University School of Veterinary Medicine, has developed a tool that allows researchers to look at a deer's DNA and determine its risk of contracting the neurological deer disease. Kevin Davis, executive director of the Texas Deer Association, explains. If you remember, sheep farmers that were faced with scrapie uh, genetically mapped a way around scrapie, and now scrapie is relatively very, very uh, almost non-existent in the United States because of that program. Well, it's the same approach. John True, immediate past president of the association, said right now if a deer is found to be CWD positive in a deer breeder's pen, the breeders must totally depopulate that facility under state regulations. The sheep industry has the scrapie eradication program. They can go in there and look at the genome, and they will take off any animal that has the wrong markers, genetic markers, but keep the good ones. And that farmer is back in business. They've learned to live with it. And so Dr. Seabury looked at that on the complete whole genome side of things, and it's called the genomic estimated breeding value. Our 
first pilot program is happening right now in Uvalde County, the Ox Genetics. Had a positive buck in a pen, and they ended up euthanizing every other buck that he was with in that pen. They euthanized every toe that he had been with the last couple of years. At that facility, only the buck tested positive for CWD. Other deer at the facility were allowed to stay there and are now part of the research project. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures drifted lower on Tuesday with both live and feeder cattle ending in the red. December live cattle dropped 37 cents to close at 168.45. February down 85, 168.77 with April down 82. 172.67. Same story on the feeders. January feeder cattle down a dollar twenty-seven, two twenty-one ninety. March down ninety-five cents, two twenty-three twenty. With April feeder cattle down seventy-five, two twenty-seven eighty-seven. Cash-fed cattle market still quiet for the week. No bids or asking prices to report. Box to V prices were mixed Tuesday. Choice up two cents, two eighty-eight ninety-five. Select down 30 at 236.42. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Seth Crane, Union Commission, Hondo Livestock. Last sale of the year there in Hondo on Monday. Seth, how did it go? Uh, you bet, Larry. Uh, just under 300 head uh, as far as a cow run. Probably had 60 cows there today. And pretty steady cow market again what we've been seeing. Uh, it looked like uh, 50 up to 90 cents on some of those lower yielding cows. Some of those good framey thin cows could sure bring a lot there today. Up to $1.03 on a good fat cow. Uh, as far as our bulls, 93 up to $1.21. Uh, did have quite a few of those uh, Charlotte Virgin bulls there, and they bring kind of anywhere from fifteen fifty right up to two thousand. Uh, bulls kind of weighing a thousand pounds. Thought, it, thought they got along good. One pair at fourteen and a quarter, and on our bread cows from eight and a quarter to twelve hundred and twenty dollars. Calf and yearling market. Uh, I didn't think the quality was there today, but the market sure was. I thought those calves brought a lot of money, sold well, uh, especially these front end of the cattle. Uh, you know, a lot of push, a lot of demand today. Two to three weight steers, two forty five to two ninety three. Two to three weight effort, two ten to two seventy. Three to four weight steer, two forty to two. 92, three to four weight effort, 220 to 264, four to five weight steer, 
230 to 288, four to five weight heifer, $1.92 to 258, five and six weight steers, 210 to 280, five to six weight heifer, $1.70 to 214, six to seven weight steer, $1.92 to 221, six to seven weight heifer, $1.65 to 204, seven to eight weight steers, bulls, didn't have any steers this week, $1.52 up to 188, seven to eight weight heifer, $1.30 to 174. So good sale, good market. It's been a good one all year long. We want to thank everybody, all our customers and our buyers. Uh, Larry, um, hope everybody has a good Christmas, and we'll be back here on January the 8th, and we'll see you then. In the meantime, if anybody needs anything or we can help you, feel free to reach us, 830-741-8061. Get me on my cell phone, 210-288-3960. And for updates and information, visit us on Facebook or hondolifestock.com. Thank you, Seth, and thank you, Texas Neighbor, for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble, and you're listening to the program on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower on Tuesday. February hogs down a dollar two seventy fifty five. April down ninety seven at seventy seven sixty. Class three milk slightly higher. Nearby December milk up a penny sixteen fourteen a hundred weight. With January milk up six fifteen sixty five a hundred. Cotton market closed slightly higher. Technical factors helping to support the market somewhat on Tuesday. March cotton up 36 points, 79.46. May cotton up 38 at 80.27. July up 35, 80.79 cents. Corn market moved lower again on Tuesday. We just can't seem to get past the fact that we've got a record corn crop now in the bin. On-hand supplies here in the U.S. look to be the largest we've seen in about five years. So that continues to weigh on prices. March corn down four and a quarter, 472 and three quarters. May corn down four and a quarter, 485 and a quarter. With July corn down four and three quarters, 494 and three quarters. Nice bounce in the wheat complex today. Both hard and soft wheat finishing higher. Double-digit gains in the hard wheat market. March Kansas City wheat up 13 and three quarters, 641 and a half, with new crop July up 10 and three quarters, 648 and a half. Soft wheat higher as well. March Chicago wheat up five and three quarters, 622 and three quarters. New crop July up four and three quarters, 638 and a half. In the energy markets, January natural gas up six cents, 256. January West Texas crude up a dollar eleven. 73.58 a barrel. The financial markets higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 205 points, 37,511. The Nasdaq up 81 at 14,986. The S&P up 23 at 4,763. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.